Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. The reading today is taken from Matthew 20. You might want to grab a Bible, although the words will also appear on the screen as we go. Matthew 20, beginning at verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and, kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In 1939, Russell Harrington was a milk and bread delivery driver working for the co-op in Folkestone, Kent. When the war broke out, he used to look out across the channel and wonder how bad things would get. And then, instead of wondering he decided to join the British Army. Using his skills as a truck driver, uh, he drove for the army. He was involved in Dunkirk and in the D-Day landings at Normandy. But then, sadly, a few months later, in September 1944, Russell Harrington was killed in action, leaving behind his young wife and newborn baby daughter. Today is a day when we remember the actions, the the sacrifice of many brave men and women in the course of human conflict. Often ordinary, normal people like Russell Harrington, yet people who paid a great price to serve our country. And on days like today, It is often hard to know how we should remember, how we should make sense of the stories we hear. Of course, there will be grief, thankfulness too, inspiration at the bravery we hear, lots of right ways to remember. But this morning, as we come to the words of Jesus in Matthew 20, I suggest we find three particular ways we should remember on days like today. Here's the first. 
remember what true greatness looks like. Russell Harrington did not look like a great man, perhaps not in the way we often define greatness, but look at verse 26. Not so with you, says Jesus. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. According to Jesus, true greatness looks like putting ourselves last and serving others first, which means that by that definition of greatness, Russell Harrington was a great man, putting his own personal comfort and safety second in order to serve others first. During the Battle of Britain, Ken MacDonald was a young pilot flying with 603 Squadron. During one dogfight, his plane was hit. Witnesses saw him climb out of the cockpit onto the wing, preparing to jump to safety, but on realizing his Spitfire would crash into a a populated area, he got back in and steered his plane away. That decision cost Ken McDonald his life, but it almost certainly saved the lives of many others. That is what true greatness looks like. And we need to be reminded of this because so often in our world today, people think greatness is found not in serving, but rather in being served. Look at how Jesus puts it in verse 25. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. People in Jesus' day thought greatness came from having power, pushing their weight around, getting people to do their will. It was true then, and it goes on being true today. The boss in the office who views his office as his own little kingdom The politician, more worried about power and status than good policy and public service. The parent who demands they always get their way at home. Remember what true greatness looks like. Serving others, being last. And of course, this greatness is not just seen in war during this pandemic. It is right to remember our wonderful NHS workers laying down their lives to serve us, sometimes at great personal cost. Or within this church family, I know so many people are looking out for others, going shopping, cooking meals, phoning around, just doing the small everyday things unseen out of humble service. And so, on this Remembrance Sunday, I suggest this is one way we should remember those who have served us. Remember what true greatness looks like. 
But I think Matthew 20 has more to say to us. On this Remembrance Sunday, we need to remember something else. Here's our second point. Remember who the true enemy is. They said it was the war to end all wars, or at least that was the hope during World War I. But of course, it wasn't. Within just a few years, the fighting had begun again. Many differences, but the same terrible results. And the reality is that today, we remember not just one war or two wars, but rather a history of war and conflict. Uh, We cannot reduce the enemy down to one person or, or one regime or to one country or to one time and space. Why is that? Why is conflict an ever-present reality of the human existence? Well, I think Matthew 20 shows us a key reason. Look down with me at verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and, kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? Jesus asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Now this is a pretty remarkable pitch. The mother of James and John thinks Jesus is some great king of Israel coming to establish a glorious kingdom and so she's pitching for the jobs of prime minister and chancellor in this new kingdom for her two boys. Because I reckon she thinks this is where true greatness is found. (laughs) And just as an aside, I wonder how many parents today want this for their children, for them to grow up with this kind of greatness, perhaps to be a politician or at least a person with worldly power and responsibility. Well, look, I reckon the other disciples were thinking this way too because verse 24, when the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. These other 10, outraged, not, I think, because James and John had a wrong view of greatness in their eyes, but rather because the 10 wanted these seats of power for themselves, and they were annoyed that James and John had got there first with their pitch. And so as we watch these 12 friends turn and start to bicker and fight with each other, aren't we seeing the root cause of all conflict, the profound universal desire to be in the best seat. A few years ago, the New York Times journalist, James Risen, published a book entitled, Pay Any Price, Greed, Power, and Endless War. Looking 
at the drivers and motives behind conflict since 9-11. That's certainly a book title at home in Matthew 20. And so on this Remembrance Sunday, as we try to grapple with the frequency of war, I think Matthew 20 gives us a vital insight into the human heart. A heart that wants to be at the center. Remember who the true enemy is. Not any one person at any one time, but rather the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. And of course, we don't have to start a war or invade a country to have a heart problem. I remember growing up, none of us kids wanted to sit in the middle seats of the family car. For, for some reason, it was deemed to be the least desirable spot in the back row. And so at some times, we would fight and squabble about who got to sit where in the back seats. Eventually, it was decided amongst the siblings that the last person to touch the car as we returned from some trip out, that person had to sit in the middle, which meant that often trips back to the car after the shopping boiled down to some manic race to get back to the car first. On one particular occasion, I was so desperate not to be last back to the car that as I ran, I failed to stop altogether, leading to a rather lengthy trip to hospital and lots of stitches. I still have the scars today, and I don't even think I won the race. Well, look, it's a, a childish example, but isn't that same desire at work in all of us? To put ourselves forward, to, to get the best spot. Now, for most of us, it won't mean running into cars, and it also won't mean trying to do a James and John and become prime minister. But it might mean showing off to our friends in the school playground or always having to have the last word. We might see it in the ways we make decisions, always thinking of our own needs before others. Or perhaps in the, the white-hot anger that rises up when others criticize us. Or in the time and energy we spend maintaining a public image that looks impressive to others, even if inside we are a mess. And most serious of all, we see it in our desires to be in the center, not just by pushing other people aside, but the way that we push God himself aside. We happily live in God's world, enjoying God's good gifts that he gives us, the, the gifts of life and health and friendship and good food and freedom and luxuries. We take all these things as if they belong to us by right and as if we own them, but we don't. And so imagine how God feels as we try to grasp these things for ourselves and as we push them to one side away from the center of our lives. Remember where the true enemy is, not just out there, but alive and well in the pride and self-centeredness in here. So, is there any hope? 
Well, finally, on this Remembrance Sunday, our third point. Remember where true victory is found. Where can we find lasting victory? A victory over the human heart that constantly wants to be at the center. Well, there is one final person we must remember on this Remembrance Sunday. Verse 28, Jesus says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here is the greatest servant of all. This morning, we remember many great examples of service, fine men and women who have given their lives for others. But as we finish, we need to see that Jesus is not just another example of service. No, he is so much more than that. He is a rescuer who brings us victory. You see, all the men and women we think about today, they didn't set off one morning planning to die. No, no, the plan was to live, but not so Jesus. Here in verse 28, he's talking about himself and he's talking about his own death. Jesus willingly and with complete foreknowledge planned to go to his death on the cross. He wasn't the victim of some tragic circumstances. No, he came down to this earth with the particular explicit mission of dying on the cross. But why? Why would Jesus make this his mission, a mission that involved his death? Well, verse 28 explains. Because in dying, Jesus gave his life as a ransom for many. The film Captain Phillips tells the true story of a ship that was captured by pirates off the Somali coast. Captain Phillips, along with his crew, were were taken hostage by the pirates. A ransom price was set, the price it would take for the pirates to set the prisoners free. And it was millions of dollars. Well, if you haven't seen the film, I won't spoil the ending. But that's the language here in Matthew 20. We have a hostage situation, not a crew on a ship, but every person in this world held captive by our sin, our pride, our self-centeredness, our rebellion against God. And the ransom fee is not a suitcase full of dollars, but the precious death of Jesus. When we put our trust in Jesus, his death becomes the ransom fee that sets us free, free from our sin and free from God's just anger at how we've lived. And that is why Jesus came to die. He came to lay down his life for others. You may have heard of the... Royal Marine Reservist Matt Croucher. He was part of a small patrol near Sangin in Helmand Province. He felt a tripwire against his leg. It was attached to a grenade. He had seven seconds to decide what he would do. 
in the moments he could think of nothing else other than protecting his group. He jumped backwards onto the grenade, covering the blast with his rucksack and body armor. He saved others in his platoon. And amazingly, he also was saved by his protection, his, his rucksack, his armor. But it's an amazing act of rescue. But Jesus offers us an even better rescue. When Jesus pays the ransom fee, he brings us victory once and for all over the greatest enemy that we face, the enemy of sin and all its terrible consequences. He secures for us an eternal hope which lasts through death and brings us into a place of lasting peace where there's no more pain or suffering or war. On this Remembrance Sunday, it is right that we remember the great men and women who have served us in such remarkable ways. But on this Remembrance Sunday, let us remember the greatest servants of all. I wonder, have we allowed Jesus to serve us? Not by giving us just an inspiring example, but by allowing him to die in our place, to free us personally from our sin and securing our own personal eternal victory that can never be taken away from us. And if we have let Jesus serve us, I wonder if this pattern of greatness is the pattern in our lives, laying down our lives to serve others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the true greatness we see in the life of Jesus as he laid down his life to save us. Help us to accept his rescue for ourselves and help us to have the same view of greatness that Jesus had. Amen. Oh,